0: Hello, and welcome back for our fifth episode of Opportunity Thrives, where we are committed to better supporting the needs of today's struggling secondary students. Through interviews with students, teachers, administrators, technologists, and education influencers, we wanna understand what's working in our schools today, what's not, and how we can impact positive and lasting change for our students. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions on our show. Please click in the podcast notes to leave us a review, provide your input, or even send us questions. You can also reach out to us at info at On today's show, we're going to explore how to not only implement digital curriculum program within your district, but also how to ensure that it meets your district's goals and supports student success. The use of online curriculum is often lumped into, into a single category of digital learning. However, not all programs are created equal. When launching a new digital curriculum program, it's key to align and evaluate district priorities with the most appropriate digital learning program and think through on how to support the success of the students that you serve. In today's podcast, we will chat about how to evaluate your priorities. We'll consider a variety of deployment options and align the right content to meet the needs of the staff and the very unique needs of the students that we serve. Our first guest is Josh Silver. Josh is the director of virtual learning for Las Cruces Public Schools in Las Cruces, New Mexico. He has worked with Las Cruces Public Schools for 18 years as a secondary teacher, as a secondary administrator, and now as a district director. He oversees the district's online learning program, coordinating education, technology, professional development district-wide, and working with teachers to grow their tech skills with their students. Recently, Josh graduated with his MBA as part of the Woodrow Wilson leadership cohort in the New Mexico State University. Welcome to the show, Josh. (laughs) Thank you, I appreciate that very much. Hi. We also have Beth Pace, a coordinator of secondary and middle school curriculum at Spartanburg School District 1 in Campobello, South Carolina. Beth Pace has worked to create, locate, and implement opportunities that will impact learning for all students. As a curriculum coordinator, she reviews system-wide structures and focuses on secondary instruction and assessment towards each student's success in the global career fields of the 21st century. Digital learning combined with proven instruction and the analysis of results, that's what guides her work. Welcome Beth.
1: Hi there, how are you?
0: Great, thanks for joining us today. To get started, Josh, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your district. You can include an overview of the number of high schools that you have and the students that you serve and any unique attributes of your district.
2: Sure thing. So first, I just want to thank you for uh, for inviting us onto the podcast. It's a neat opportunity to, uh, to get to share what we're doing in our district. I work for Las Cruces Public Schools, and we're located in Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is far south Uh, In New Mexico, we're about 45 minutes from El Paso, Texas. Our district has about 22,000 students. uh, And within our district, I serve as the, as you mentioned, the director of online teaching and learning. Uh, So at our, we have four comprehensive high schools. We have two early college high schools, and then we have a variety of alternative education programs. And my work really has me working with the students and the faculty in those secondary schools on both their online learning initiatives, which look vastly different across campuses, as well as um, educational technology professional development.
0: Excellent. So when, when you were looking at the, the district, the students that you serve, the resources that you have, um, tell me a little bit about what you saw in your analysis. What, what needs were being met and maybe what wasn't being met? So think of it as the, the
2: why. Why did you embark in this journey? <laughs> Sure thing. So there's lots of whys, right? And I think that why changes, changes all the time for me in many ways. But, um, but I would say that for us, that online curriculum piece really came from a need to provide student options. Um, for us in our district, we're a larger district, but we're not a huge, huge district. And so there are sometimes scheduling limitations for us and um, just student options that we wanna provide. And in order to do that, we were looking for online curriculum to help us meet that need. We also recognize that that is, mm-hmm. um, there's just good skill that goes with that with online curriculum that we believe students will use moving forward. And we just want them to have um, the opportunity to to experience an online class and to experience an online faculty member while in high school when that's appropriate.
0: Excellent because it's likely that they're going to experience it later on in their either academic career or in their their workforce, right?
2: Absolutely, very much so.
0: Excellent. Um, Beth, what about you? Uh, Share a little bit about your district. Um, Talk about the 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 schools that you have uh, and the, the students that you serve and maybe some of the unique attributes about your district.
1: Well once again we're very happy to have a chance to share what Um, digital learning has done for our students here in Spartanburg School District 1. We have a little more than 5,000 students, K through 12. Um, We have two high schools and a career center that we also share with a neighboring district. Um, At one of our high schools, we have about not quite 900 students. At the other, we have about 560, about 115 faculty positions. And um, we've been... Pretty good on graduation rate, on success for our students, uh, but we were always looking for something more.
0: Aha! Uh-huh. And that's what I want to dig into a little bit deeper. So, uh, when when you think about uh, your your district and the students that you serve, what what? needs of the students either were or weren't being met, and and basically, what was the why okay. <laughs> in, in your program? Well, and
1: it's kind of like um, Josh was saying, is obviously we want to maximize opportunities and personalize those opportunities for our students. But we also were seeking ways to expand curricular options through course choice, Um One way that we looked at it was because of the changing demand of our population. Uh, We live in a very traditional area uh, where many of our students may leave to go to school, may leave for those first couple of jobs, but in many cases return and want to raise their families here. So we knew that that traditional approach um, was what provided stability and sort of the tradition of our district. But we knew also we needed to provide the opportunity for our kids to go out and compete on a global scale so that being good in this area, being great in this area um, would also translate to their success out in the world.
0: Excellent. Josh, you shared a little bit that you were looking to meet the needs of the the students that you serve. Um, Tell me a little bit about after that analysis, sort of then what? Did you have um, a district initiative that this fell under? Did you have specific goals that you were trying to achieve uh, when you embarked on implementing a digital learning program?
2: Sure. So that that digital learning program for, for many school districts in New Mexico, including ours, has sort of, uh, I don't want to say accidentally evolved over the last decade, but um, it has i guess as the as the educational world of online learning has changed, so have we right we We, we have felt those um, roller coaster rides as well so um, for 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 New Mexico, very similar to what Beth was saying, um, at one time, our goal at a state level was to build out a catalog of online courses that would um, and, and really help build capacity in terms of online teachers that would um provide opportunities to more rural communities in our state which um which has many of those as well uh and, and to be able to sort of create an equitable uh opportunity for all of our students so in las cruces specifically as that initiative grow grew for us it became its own little um, an opportunity for us to sort of branch off and and create our own online program. And so we were able to, uh, to leverage the really the work that was done at the state level and partner with them and then eventually pull and create our own program um, to meet the individualized needs of our of our students specifically. Um, and one of those goals for us was really about making sure that students had access to uh, to a high quality curriculum regardless of their um, uh, like like situation, regardless of whether they had a conflicting schedule at their school that kept them from taking a course, or they had a health situation that kept them from taking a course, or um, internet accessibility that kept them like those were all barriers that, as an online program, we sought to remove so that any student in our district had uh, the opportunity to uh, to participate in online learning.
0: Excellent. And and Beth, uh, how about from from your perspective? Um, you you talked a little bit about. Uh, your, your district and that you really wanted to make sure that your students were, were prepared uh, for, for greatness. Um, what were you looking to achieve when you embarked upon this? What does greatness look like for, for your district um, and for the students that you serve?
1: Well, greatness to us meant that uh, opportunities, whether it be an offering for a um, slot at an Ivy League school or the position within a credentialing program that would give them the kind of certificate they needed to carry on their family business in a more competitive way um, were driving reasons for us. Um, As Josh had stated, we obviously wanted to make sure that anything that we chose, we curated in some way to maximize the biggest bang for our kids and for the effectiveness of the learning. Um, I don't know if it's appropriate to kind of talk about, you know, sometimes digital learning can be perceived as give a kid a computer and they'll teach themselves. And what we knew was that they are still students and they still needed support um, to be able to understand and access the materials and uh, wanted to make sure that we did everything in our power to provide that student-centered focus to what they were doing so that when they finished a course, uh, they not only knew, quote unquote, the content, but they also understood how they might be applying it to a new situation. Because that's really where we felt as a district, our emphasis needed to be I don't want to say shifting, but continue to be there. It's, it's more of an application kind of world, um, unique problem, creative mm-hmm. problem. What are possible solutions? And we felt that expanding our digital opportunities would help expand our kids' exposure to that.
0: Beth, there's two points. Um, if you don't mind, I, I'd love for you to expand upon. One was uh, you you talked about students operating in isolation in an online environment and, and not being successful in that. And I think, you know, we saw with the proliferation of things like MOOCs where every student in the United States was had the opportunity to to, to take a, a great high quality course and yet a fraction of a percentage actually Completed that, and I think you were hitting on something really important. And it's about the relationship that the student has with the the, the teacher or the school or the system. Can you explain a little mm-hmm. bit more? Uh, uh, what how we that works did for you? And,
1: and kind of you know in implementing it, we felt first we had to find fanatics—people who believed that this was the right thing uh, for students—and we found that. Um, among our faculty members. And in fact, we created, we call it um, Dive, which is the D1 for District 1 virtual education. And and we like to say we dive deep into learning. But what we did was we we harnessed the passion that teachers bring to the face-to-face instruction. And we had a teacher who essentially became our traveling facilitator. And we had to get creative with you know, monitoring and class schedules and all of those sort of things. But she's with those kids and is face to face with them so that she is also keeping up on their progress. When they're hitting snags, we also harness the power of our content teachers so that they might understand that during a planning period when they had a little bit of free time, we might have to send a message where we we needed a little support in this content area or uh, that sort of thing, we really tapped into that so our kids didn't lose that face-to-face that is what, as you stated, builds a relationship which keeps them um, engaged and um, engrossed, for lack of a better word, in what they're learning because they know somebody's seeing them and seeing them for the, the person that they are.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so important in that equation. Josh, I noticed that you perked up a little bit when Beth was talking about the real world application of, of skills and the relevance of that. Um is that a, a, a component of your program? And if so, um talk a little bit about that.
2: Sure. I actually would say I I think I perked up with everything that Beth was saying. <laughs> it's like we we work in it's 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 neat to and maybe she would agree with this, it's neat to be able to have these conversations because not, not everyone always understands what they look like. But I 100% echo pretty much every single thing that Beth just said. Um, and we're on you know other side of the country. Um, so first, in terms of uh, the, your question about sort of quality programs and experiences, absolutely we wanted to diversify that catalog. And, and to continue to create those opportunities for students and build a systemic program that, among other things, did allow for career certifications and, um, and again, it allowed for for especially our, our older secondary students to do workplace internships and then allowed them to do online coursework, which just gave them flexibility in their school day. Aside from that, and really connected to that, and one hundred thousand percent, what Beth said is that human connection. Um, Our format is very, very similar to what Beth is talking about. We absolutely see the need for our online students to have what we call, it's a semantics piece, but what we call a learning coach. Um, For us, that is that person that is not necessarily the content teacher, but they are the the learning coach. They're the person that um, is taking attendance and is making sure the student's on track and is Josh getting his homework done and, and all of those essential relationship pieces. They're also the, the boots on the ground in the classroom person that knows what the students are going through and sort of understands some of those specific um, unique situations that have, you know, created the uh, the student environment that we're in um, for that individual kiddo. Then, like Beth said, we also have the the content folks. For us, those are our e-teachers, our online teachers, and they serve as faculty that work in collaboration with the learning coach and the students and their families. So. Much of my work on a daily basis is the, uh, I serve as sort of the, the liaison for that circle of, um, of online teaching and learning. Um, it, yes, it is that relationship piece in an online class is, is so, so critical, and um, we see that all the time. And that is, it's it's fundamental to our, and I think Beth would agree with it, is fundamental to our goal as, a, as an online program, that that relationship with the student stays paramount. We did not want a an automated program or a correspondence course where students did not have like human interaction. That was very, and continues to be very, very important to us.
0: Excellent. That I, I, I love that you both hit on that. And that seems to be just in, in my experience working with districts across the nation, that's the one thing that you've got to get right is the, the, the people who are uh, engaged with your, your students in, in the program and in the system. So I, I love that you both hit on that. Now, Josh, you, asked, you said that you acted as a, as a liaison between the, the people who are building those relationships and um, the, the instruction, the technology, and the content that they use. Um, when it comes to uh, the, the, the content, what are some of the specific things that you were looking for um, to meet the needs of your student and your district and, and, and the, the goals of the program?
2: Sure so again I'd echo part of what um, what Beth had mentioned earlier in an online program it's um, easy to and I think we often um, combat the misconception that it is um, a bunch of multiple choice mm-hmm. tests right that that is that is not what we are looking for in an online program we actually are actively looking for an online program that requires, A content teachers interaction and so for us we have created a sort of a little online ecosystem that that creates levels of support for kids but that part of that level of support is very specific content interactions with their content teacher Um, that is we did not want a, a program that did not include that very human element
0: and Beth, from, from your side, uh, you, you spoke about the, the rural nature of, of your district. And <laughs> oftentimes, that means kids are spread out in a, in a really wide geographic area. Um, when you think about the, the dynamic between content and teachers, and then students who don't, you know, sometimes they're 50 miles away, how do you balance all those? And what type of considerations did you take um, when you were thinking how to navigate all of those dynamics?
1: Well, um, as a rural district, we're I mean—we're self-contained and yet for our students to get access to um, specialized programs, some places, uh, maybe a 20, 30 mile trip one way. And so when you think about providing, bringing essentially the mountain back, um, we looked at what kinds of choices are we gonna make for kids? that we can't provide the other side of a small school and small district is that in many cases the teachers are teaching two three preps we're on a four by four so teaching those kinds of preps leave very little wiggle room for that one standalone kind of class that 15 kids need and so what we were able to do was through um Our our wonderful support system, and I think um, Josh's word ecosystem, I'm going to to steal that from him, um, is (laughs) within our system, we found out, okay, so we've got to move kids or we've got to to get creative. So even though it's virtual, we may move kids back and forth um, to be able to access certain things um, in the timely manner um, that we wanted to. The other thing that we knew with um, a rural challenge is simply the exposure to opportunities, Um, just making students... And, and, yeah, yeah, we, we keep saying students and teachers, but the parents and the community that's out there, they need to understand what is our mission and what does that look like, and um, even showing them. So a student comes in and shows them, here's what my class looks like and here's how it works so that we demystify um, exactly what. Josh said we were trying to do, which was create opportunities and expand options and prepare rigorous um, experiences for our kids.
0: Sure. That's great. I I think what's so interesting is I hear both of you sort of did a, a, an analysis of your district. You all created a plan. You got the right people. You got the content. And... And now putting it all together um, what were some of the, what were some of the challenges that you faced along the way and, and uh, Josh do you want to start with that and um, even things that like unexpected hurdles that came up that you had you you didn't anticipate and had to solve
2: sure have I got a story for you right <laughs> um, yeah yeah um... I think that that for us one of the most important pieces was to remain flexible and remember that kids are kids and we're still working with human beings in this in this ecosystem and um and that the machines and the the online world is great and that that it does not serve as a replacement for the human beings in this system but it really serves as a way for the human beings to to prioritize the the relationship piece. Um, Our district, in so again, 22,000 kids, we were hit with a ransomware attack in October, late October, um, which for an online program, can be problematic. (laughs) Um, But again, to, to sort of echo this theme that's come out of this conversation, that what seems like it could be, you know, immediately disastrous for an online program really wasn't in many ways because we had built those human relationships with our with our online students and um i would say that i think we had some of the most interesting uh teaching and learning in this last uh finishing out a semester um without reliable internet access in our district
0: wow that is (laughs) and that's something to think about and uh i'm 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 glad you were able to to leverage those tools and your teachers. Uh, to me too, for sure. Uh, Beth, what about you? As you're as you're thinking through how to support your students with these tools and your plan and your strategy, um, what what came up that was unexpected, um, and and how did you solve it?
1: Um, and when he said hurdle, I thought, man, that's a tree in the road. Um, <laughs> but I think for us. Um, it was more hurdles that are like like growing pains. Like, um, so what happens when the word gets out and suddenly you've gone from thirty six to eighty two? Yeah. How do yeah, you deal with sure. adding a certain kind of technology course, and you've got to make sure that you've got the hardware um, that will run the software yes. components that are embedded in that course? So it's those more we we tried to be. Um, thoughtful about the implementation. So our hurdles were more like little tiny speed bumps at first, but it's the growing is, as I stated, is we've gone, I think this semester we have um, 82 online um, type things going on. And for a small district, that's a pretty significant population of kids involved. And so for us, it's, making sure, and we have phenomenal, as, as I know, Josh, I hear him. I mean, I'm, I'm like, you need to cheer because it's just like our IT folks. <laughs> um, but it's that piece, but then it's that emerging, I guess, to, to think of it like the emerging technology is what's out there and what challenges are you going to have to anticipate two years from now when you're making a capital improvement? You know, when you're actually looking at the logistics of, implementation of teacher assignments of numbers and just that day-to-day running of the system that often people don't see kind of like the puppet and the puppeteer. They don't see the strings because they're watching the show and for us. And it sounds like for Josh too, the show has been very successful, but you have to always remember it's that backstage work that has to be there. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm curious, do you market your program or was it word of mouth that sort of it went viral?
1: For us, um, it's a combination. Um, A word gets out among families and students that these are choices. Uh, For us, we also were able to expand our world language choices So we have kids taking world language options and um, other related course options in technology and in the career field. And then um, other choices for things that we just can't offer that, you know, that across just for the, the actual staffing of the building isn't there, but we can offer for that one child who wants to take Mandarin Chinese.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
2: That's the example I was going to use too. Mandarin Chinese.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Great minds think alike. D- Josh, do you all market your program?
2: So we're, we're maybe structured a little bit differently. Um, uh, kind of. Um, we, we serve as an instructional program that serves the schools. And so we, um, this gets a little bit more just like connected to our organizational structure, but, but the Student interest for our program begins with their high school counselors, and so that that's and then we sort of all work together on individual plans for students based on the situation. So that um, marketing isn't necessarily a built-in part of our work. It's it's sort of just commonly known this is an option, and students that are interested. Uh, and sometimes it's not only students that are interested, but and I don't want to say they're disinterested, but it's students that um, become interested because of you know family travel or situations or. You know, just conflicts and schedules, and so those are things that uh, online learning appears on students' radars as there's a need for it.
0: So, a, a slight nuance of my my question to you: so, not marketing to your uh, the, the the students in the district, but did you have to think through the communication um, since you essentially work in tandem with the traditional high schools? Um, was there was there tension between the, the the two programs pot- potentially between the traditional uh, classrooms and the, the blended and virtual classrooms? And if there was tension, how did you mitigate that?
2: Sure. So I would say there's no tension there. Um, and kind of going back to that decade ago and sort of the evolution of how online learning and blended learning has built into our district over time, uh, that's a really natural collaboration for us as a school district. The um, Part of the the world of my work for Las Cruces Public Schools includes um, support for blended teachers, of which there are many, many throughout our district that are that are that are really using blended um, pedagogy in their classrooms. Um, no, I think we all see this as a partnership. I that's I work the most closely with the high schools. That's that is the. The majority of my work in terms of our online school, and we—I I think I could speak for them and say—we see this as a really positive partnership, and there's there's not a sense of um, of competition there. There there is a sense of um, combined sort of problem solving and really looking at how we leverage both resources, which I think is where we find ourselves most successful is when there's a combination yeah. of both, um, when we have that. Um, when we've sort of figured out what that formula is for a student. And that comes through a, like partnership with, with that assistants.
0: upfront work is really important because uh, I, I think you have potentially created a solution where there could have potentially been a problem mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if you don't do the upfront work.
1: Absolutely.
0: Beth, did you, did you see any of that tension or, or did you, was it, smooth sailing. Yeah, for
1: us, it, it, there really wasn't. We um, I think I'd speak for everyone when we sort of looked at it as um, another teacher in our building who was offering mm-hmm. options yeah. and choices. And so um, never was it perceived as a competition or a kid's taking this in lieu of this, because um, we started our first march in with options that we could not afford could not have placed uh, for students. So um, it filled a niche that we needed. And I think the teachers and the students and the parents would um, tell you that that's exactly what we needed for that step in. And um, it worked for us. It worked very well. Um, We've been very, very pleased with it. But I will echo, you got to do a lot of upfront work. Yeah.
0: and, and I'm going to sort of take the other side of that continuum. When it comes to that pre-work, you, you sort of built the vision for, for what it looks like today. What do you want it look, to look like tomorrow for your students? And Beth, you, you want to go ahead and keep going on your train um, of thought?
1: Let's see. What we want for tomorrow is we want to continue to expand our opportunity. We want to make sure that we are providing sort of a menu of options for our students in choices. Uh, We want to make sure that um, we provide them with um, choice in terms of flexibility of when they access the courses, how they use the courses and how they progress through the courses. And I can kind of if it's all right, sure, you're like we had a student who wanted to take a foreign language and um, she ended up being able to complete uh, parts one and two in the same semester, and so that puts her in line for part three inside the same year. Now, our our language teachers will tell you, uh, you know, semester one we do part one, maybe semester two we do part two. You know, there's that sequence that has to be driven by school calendar. And I guess our vision is that we're really, I don't want to say timeless, but not time limited. So our vision is that. We're providing, and if a kid needs more time, then we have that flexibility to extend it two more weeks or whatever it is that the student needs to be able to do. Um, That would be the first part of our vision. And then I guess the second is that we remain as informed and current of options. I I love this opportunity to to listen to Josh and hear what he and, and I'm hoping other people contact you about this topic so that we can set up a community kind of forum to be able to learn, because that's really what we do best as teachers is is borrow ideas from each other.
0: That is exactly correct. <laughs> I borrowed a lot in my career. <laughs> Josh, what about from from your perspective for Las Cruces Public Schools, what do you see the, the, the future vision and direction of your organization?
2: Sure. So this might be a little specific um, for that question, but it really is connected to our, our larger sort of future vision. Um, we're really working on and continue to work on understanding how we best give oh, feedback to our online students. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 it's hard I and mean, it's a challenge to find meaningful, timely ways to do that. Um, that is that feedback piece is, central to a learner and we, we um, that that's that is part of our work in the future is really understanding from our students how we can best provide feedback uh, in an online program we um, we have the 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 benefit of all being in the same city of a hundred thousand people so I mean we can we can get around our town and, and get to our students face to face but it's just understanding what that actually looks like and how we how we leverage those face-to-face opportunities with online feedback and, and all of those things. So that's that's a future goal for us, and, and definitely part of the, the vision for our program. Wow, that's great. Um, when when
0: you all think about people who are either embarking on a, a, a innovative program like the two of you have, or they're they're in the middle of it and they want to grow the program, um, is there any piece of I- advice that that you'd give them, um, Beth? Any, any, any words of wisdom from it's your wisdom, side? I wisdom,
1: but I guess it's hard knocks. Is, is sort of create yourself a web and then look for the gaps. Is your web will have the technology folks, the instructional folks, the curriculum folks, the providers of the service. They'll have all those things, the students, the parents, the things. And then look at what's missing. You know, if you create sort of digital learning in the center and then you have the spokes off. What is it that you haven't thought of? Because that's the one thing that will come back. Um, I love his idea about the feedback. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that we, un, we unforesaw. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, but <laughs> making sure that everybody understood what digital learning was going to look like in our buildings. Making sure that everyone understood, here's kind of what the process would be. Because I think you started the pro- program with, it used to look like, And for many people, you only know what you used to see. And those were those isolated training videos, you know, where you click A, B, C, D. I mean, it was all of that perception and changing that perception, I would say, uh, for us was the first thing. So think everything and then think about what haven't you thought about. And I know that sounds strange, but you'll think of something.
0: <laughs> well, I, I and I think the nod to perception is really important as well because uh, that that's definitely yes. part of the equation. Uh, Josh, what about from 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 your side? Uh, your words of wisdom or piece of advice? Uh,
2: yeah, I would say I would say go talk to Beth. Go visit Beth in South Carolina, right? Um, I I agree with everything, again, that that Beth said. I would add to that that um, part of that or part of my advice would be to also be willing to unlearn and to change your mind. And to I mean, this field, uh, like I said, many of us have been sort of doing some type of this online work for a decade and more. Um, much more for some folks and that it looks so different than it did 10 years ago, five years ago, even three years ago. Um, so just be willing to, um, I think Beth mentioned it earlier, stay sort of on top of, of emerging technologies and trends that are coming out and then really being able to decide which of those trends or emerging technologies work for your district and which ones don't and, and, and making those thoughtful decisions to, um, to stay current with this world. I think
0: both of those were excellent words of wisdom and great pieces of advice for both of you. I wanna say thank you so much to, to both of you, um, Beth and, and Josh, you both have provided, I think so much insight and advice for our fellow district um, who are, are are embarking on an initiative to, to implement digital learning and digital curriculum. And I think that the advice that you've offered or even the, the, the framework is going to truly help them make an impact. So I want to say thank you both thank for your you time for today. Us
2: share. Thank you
0: for oh, Thank it, you. It's absolutely our pleasure. And we also look forward to listener feedback. And I think to Beth's point, um, let's engage in a conversation as a community. So please reach out to us with questions or comments at info at opportunitythrives.com. You can also write us a review on Spotify or iTunes. Thanks so much for listening in today and we will see you next time.